Hey everybody, it's Mark. Welcome or welcome back to the New Spring Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free New Spring app where you can access all of our recent message content. Actually, the app is the easiest way to share all this content with a friend, and it's the easiest way to keep up with everything going on around here at New Spring. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Over the last few weeks, we've watched the world shut down, and many of us are left wondering, will life ever return to normal? Whatever tomorrow brings, we can count on one thing. With God, the best is always yet to come. And this season of shutdown, we've been given an opportunity to prepare for a new beginning. So let's take this time to get ready to restart. Every week we're going to begin with this verse. Isaiah chapter 43, verse 18. God is speaking about what he's done in the past. And he says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. Well, we need to hear that because these are scary times. But God said, what I've done in the past is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'm about to do something new. And I love this. See, I've already begun. What I hear when I read that part of this verse is, Shutdowns don't shut God down. God said, I've already begun the restart. And then he asked, don't you see it? And then he makes two promises. I will make a pathway through the wilderness and I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now that could sound like the same promise twice, but really it's two very different promises. When God says he's going to make a path through the desert or through the wilderness, that means he's going to create opportunity. And then when he says, I'll create rivers in the dry wasteland, that means provision that he's going to supply our needs. So think about that one more time. God said, I've already started something new. Don't you see it? God says, I'm gonna create opportunities and I'm going to supply your needs. That's why every week in this series, we're starting with those verses. Well, our series is called Restart, Moving On After Life Shuts Down. And last week, we began to understand the importance of principles. Principles are God's life forces that he spun into the universe that work in any situation. And so each week during this series, we're going to look at one of God's principles of restart. Last week, we looked at principle number one. You can start your restart in the shutdown. It's not too early. And we saw if we will do several things, then the restart will start even though we we may still feel like we're shut down. And those things are you obey God, you embrace reality, you seize available opportunities, and you leave the rest to God. You know what's interesting about this series is as we study these Bible restarts, and there are so many, we're going to come across those things again and again, the four things that I just mentioned. And you'll see them week after week, but as we look at different Bible stories, we'll see that they give us fresh slants on those and new applications. Well, today, I want to give you the second principle of restart, and let me prepare you. This one is a challenge. And frankly, it all comes down to the way we approach it. If we take a negative approach to this principle, it'll be too hard, and we might stubbornly refuse to do it. On the other hand, if we will do this in faith, it can be an exciting and liberating adventure. So here we go with principle number two. It's just one word, and that word is rethink. I love that word, rethink. If you look at definitions of the word, a simple definition simply means a reassessment, usually with a view to making changes. 
So here we are, we're looking at the principles of restart, and that, this is what the Bible is going to call us to do, is to reassess things, but with a view to making changes. Right now, this is a perfect opportunity for me to say this series is not just about the coronavirus, because there are going to be other shutdowns that we'll need to restart from. And even right now in the coronavirus shutdown, many of you are dealing with shutdowns of different kinds. And this is so big. In any situation where you need a restart, you will need to rethink. One more time. In any situation where you need a restart, you will have the challenge of rethinking. And indeed, it is a challenge because it's just natural to think that our thinking is right. And if we lock down on our thinking being right, that's where stubbornness can set in and spoil everything. So one more time, in a shutdown, in order to restart, you will need to rethink. But I want you to consider something right now as we're dealing with this challenge of rethinking things. What is the ultimate restart in the Bible? I think you would have to say that it's salvation, God's plan of redemption. But what's necessary for salvation? Over and over, the Bible tells us that repentance is necessary. Now, the word repentance in English comes from two Greek words, um, meta, which means change, and then the word for mind or thinking. So consider this for just a moment. The one thing that's necessary for the ultimate restart, which is salvation, is a change of thinking or rethinking. So, what does a rethink look like? If you and I were going to go to the Bible and find someone who was willing to do a rethink in order to restart, where would we go? Well, for me, there are many stories in the Bible, but the quintessential one is in the Gospel of Luke chapter 15. It is the story that we call the prodigal son. Now, I preached on this story probably hundreds of times, and I've heard all kinds of sermons on the prodigal son. Most of the sermons focus, at least on the beginning, on the dumb things that this kid did in order to get to the shutdown. And we probably know what some of those are. But I need you to do something for this message. I want you just to suspend that part of the story. Let's just kind of set aside the dumb stuff that he did to get to his shutdown. Because when it came to rethinking things, the prodigal son did a series of things that were brilliant. You know, again, we normally think of him as being dumb, and I guess he really did some dumb stuff. But when it came time to turn around, he did a series that we're going to look at of brilliant things. And so let's pick that story up at that place. I mean, he's in the pig pen and he's hungry. And the Bible says he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods, the slop, that the swine were eating. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, okay, read that, rethink. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. Well, today in our talk, I want to give you five awesome keys to rethinking. And we pick all of them up from the prodigal son who now is getting very brilliant in his rethink. Here is the first one, and I love it. It's in verse 18. Key number one, 
I'll take it directly from his words. He said, I will get up as opposed to I will stay down. You know, this sounds so simple, but I've met many people who never get to the place of saying, I will get up. Now, when the young man said that he was going to get up, I noticed that he avoided a couple of pitfalls that I've watched through the years that keep many people from getting up. First pitfall that he avoided was that he didn't live in denial. I mean, look at his statement, and we're just going to take it a direct quote. He said, I am dying here with hunger. Well, there's no denial there. I mean, he outlines his problem. I don't have food. And then he gives us the outcome. If I don't get food, I won't make it. I love the fact that he just owns this. I love it that he didn't say, well, I guess I'll go to sleep or I'll take some drugs or I'll get drunk and I'll think about it tomorrow. He was honest about the shutdown. Second thing, the second pitfall that he avoided in getting up was that he didn't drown in self-pity and wait for somebody else to do his thinking for him. You know, I haven't counseled in years, but back when our church was smaller and I did a lot of counseling, I saw a couple of different kinds of people who would come to my office. There were those who laid out their problem and they wanted help. And then I noticed over time, and it took me a few years to pick up on this, there were those who came to my office and even though they sounded like they wanted help, what became clear to me over time was they wanted to rehearse the problem over and over. And guys, I don't wanna be especially hard on you here, but I noticed that guys would do this more often than ladies. I mean, they would come to my office for appointment after appointment after appointment and we'd talk through all kinds of possible solutions, but I noticed they would always go back and focus on the problem. You know, the day came when I realized that that second group wasn't looking for help. They were looking for a sympathy fix. And you know, I was sympathetic for a while. The first 10 or 12 times I heard their stories, I was sympathetic. But then it became clear to me that person didn't want to move on. You may have encountered this in your relationships with people because someone is coming to you and always telling you their problem. And after all, we should be loving and sympathetic. And after a while, you become the caregiver for that person. I mean, that person comes to you, you meet their needs, you take them places, you supply situations for them that they need, and you actually become a caregiver. But after a while, it becomes very clear that person doesn't want to move on. That person wants you to be their sympathy fix. And after a while, you've realized you weren't actually helping that person, but enabling that person. And then you move on. And what does that person do? That person says, she abandoned me. She used to be my helper, but now she's abandoned me and they'll look for the next sympathy fix. And one more time, these are hard times and I don't wanna communicate for a heartbeat that we shouldn't be sympathetic with having trouble. We should be, we should be loving. Christ followers should be more loving and sympathetic than anyone else. But I love the fact that the prodigal son said, I'm going to get up. He was honest about his situation. He wasn't going to wallow in self-pity, and he wasn't going to let someone else do his thinking for him. And by the way, you and I wouldn't want someone else to do our thinking for us. In key number one, the prodigal son said, I will get up. Now, 
I know how he got to the hog pen. I don't know exactly how the prodigal son got to this turnaround, this rethink. But for you and me, let it be this. If we need to get up from a difficult circumstance, let it be these two messages in our mind. Number one, God has invested gifts in me that will work in new situations. I love that because oftentimes we are presented with a scenario where the old situation isn't going to be available. We'll talk about that just in a moment. But it's, it's so important for us to recognize that even though I'm going to be facing a new world, God has invested gifts in me that were designed for that new situation. And the second thought is God will help me. And I really think the prodigal son got there. He said, it's going to be a whole new world, but God has invested strengths in me and he's going to help me. I will get up. Key number two. Stay with me for a second, because this may sound kind of corny at first, but don't feed the hogs. You know, we said we're not going to focus on this kid's past, but just for a moment, let's talk about what happened to him. He said to his dad, I don't want to wait till you die. Give me all my inheritance now. He went to a far country and he blew all the money, getting high, getting stoned, partying, hanging out with prostitutes, and he after a while, blew his money, and he was so broke that he was looking for a job, but just at that time, there was an economic collapse in the land where he was, and the only job he could get was feeding hogs. Now, that's a bad job for anybody, but for a good Jewish kid who grew up believing that hogs were ceremonially unclean, he had to deal with the shame of that. And then beyond that, hogs just aren't ceremonially unclean, they're really unclean. So here he is, he's feeding hogs, and now he's in the process of a rethink. You know, I used to <laughs> go out with my granddad on his farm in Texas, and we used to feed hogs, and, and people say hogs make the noise oink. I don't, they just sort of snort. But whatever hogs make, I want you to think about the message they would have sent to that prodigal son as he was there having lost his previous life and previous situation, the noise that those hogs had to make was they were saying to the prodigal son, you belong to us now. You, you are ours. We are your destiny. Well, in any shutdown, there are going to be some hogs and they will talk to you and they will tell you that we are your new normal. Your destiny is to feed us. In other words, there will be messages of the shutdown that will tell you that you have to stay there. For example, maybe someone is middle-aged and you lost your job and you go to job fairs, but nothing happens. And you go on interviews, but nobody calls back. And then the hogs will start talking to you. The hogs will say, you're over the hill. Nobody's going to want you. You have nothing to offer anymore. Or maybe someone has gone through a really messy breakup. The person you love walked out after promising to love you for a lifetime. And now the hogs are making noise and they're saying, you're not attractive and you're not worth having someone love you. You may as well get used to people taking advantage of you. Now, every time we feed those hogs, every time we invest energy and emotion and time on them, those hogs get stronger. Their messages get more powerful in our lives. I love this. When the prodigal son said, I will get up and go to my father, what he was saying was, I was not designed to feed hogs. I was not destined to feed hogs. However, I got here. And in a shutdown, you know, it could be my fault. could be somebody else's fault. could be nobody else's fault, like the coronavirus. 
But I think the prodigal son was saying, however I got here, feeding hogs is not my future, and I'm not going to spend any more precious time, any more precious emotion, any more mental bandwidth listening to the messages of defeat that will keep me shut down. And so in a shutdown, when you rethink, it's important not to feed the hogs. Okay, keys number three and number four are going to sound similar, but check them out. Key number three is adjust your expectations. Well, when the prodigal son started out, he was the favored son of a rich man living the good life. In the shutdown, he was feeding hogs. And now he understood that for the future, he would have to adjust his thinking. Notice how he didn't say, I'm going to go back and be a favored son again. He said, hire me. One more time. He started out the favored son. The shutdown left him feeding hogs. His adjusted thinking was, hire me. Sometimes life will just not be the same again. Yesterday's opportunities won't be there tomorrow. I mean, for a number of you watching this, it could be a career change. You know, you had a career, it was a thriving career, you trained for that career, it looked like you had a future, but technology or the coronavirus or a number of situations have just changed your career situation to where it's just not going to be there anymore. Or it could be that someone has gone through a divorce and now your spouse has remarried and perhaps you've remarried and now there are custody issues and holidays are going to be different. And, and no matter how much you wish you could go back in time, things are just not going to be the same anymore. You know, I know this is maybe small compared to what we just talked about, but delivering this sermon is very different than I had thought it was going to be months ago. And so we're all having to adjust our expectations. Last week, we talked about the importance of seizing available opportunities. And that's so important. See, here's the thing. If I can't adjust my expectations, I'll probably stay in the hog pen and cry about the good old days. Okay, spoiler alert. Somebody could say, Mark, I know the rest of this story. And even though he adjusts his expectations, he goes back and the dad restores him to being a favored son. You're right. We'll talk about that. But I want you to think about something. This may be one of the most important things that I say in this whole message. Even though the father was going to restore him to full favored son status, if in the hog pen he had not been open to a readjustment, does he ever leave? I think that's really important. It's important for us to say things may not be the same. And so I'm going to adjust my expectations. Well, as I said a minute ago, number four can sound pretty similar to number three, but I think there's a distinction. Key number four is learn to identify your true needs. Now, when you go back to the beginning of the story of the prodigal son, he had everything. He lived in a magnificent home. He was the son of a wealthy man. I mean, you know, in modern day terms, you would say he had the best clothes. He had a nice car. He had all the stuff, all the accoutrements that went with living the good life. And it's interesting to me that at the beginning of the story with all he had, he felt like it wasn't enough because the far country was calling to him. You know, whatever else the pig pen taught the prodigal son, it taught him to identify his true needs. When you look at his rethink, he said, I need food, I need a job, 
and I need the basic essentials of life. Well, I don't know how we're going to come out of this coronavirus shutdown. I mean, no one really knows actually what's going on right now. No one really knows what the economy is going to be like when we come out of this. Nothing like this has ever happened before. You know, I think about the world that we're accustomed to. Back in my parents' day, you know, most people didn't have garages. They were fortunate if they had one car, you know. But today, and I think I'm this way, you know, today we need a three-car garage. We've got two cars, and we need that third-car garage because of all the stuff we can't fit in storage. And we have to have certain surfaces on our floors and certain countertops and the hottest new thing in golf clubs and the latest iteration of a smartphone. I'm, I'm not picking on us because I can be like that too. But you know, as we start thinking about it coming out of the coronavirus, it may just be being able to leave my house and go back to work. It may be just getting my kids back in school or worshiping together with other believers. You see this in the story of the prodigal son. Before he had everything and it wasn't enough. Now he just wanted food and a job. Rethinking is so much about adjusting expectations and being able to identify our true needs. Well, in conclusion, I've saved the best for last. Because key number five is run to your heavenly father. You know? At the beginning of this story, the prodigal son couldn't wait to get away from his father. In the rethink, he couldn't wait to get back to him. And this is where rethinking really, really pays off. Because what was the situation when the prodigal son got home? I and mean, we've already talked about a little bit in a spoiler alert, but let's read it together. This is out of the New American Standard Version. The Bible says he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, now the son is going to make the speech that communicates all his rethinking, his uh, adjusting of expectations and identifying his true needs and all of that. The son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said quickly, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand. Now, just, just stop for a moment there. The ring there was, was more than just a piece of jewelry. The ring was the signet ring that belonged to that family that communicated and carried with it all the authority of being a family member. Well, I love the idea about bringing out the best robe. But this ring put the family signet on his hand again. And sandals on his feet, because the father noticed that at the far country, the kid didn't even have shoes anymore. And now the father says, bring the fat and calf, kill it, let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Something really big happens when we rethink God's way. I mean, I guess to some degree, as we come out of this crisis, everyone's going to do a little bit of rethinking. But as a God follower, you have an extraordinary advantage. You have an infinite advantage because you can rethink things God's way. So look what happens 
when we rethink God's way. Let's go back through the story of the prodigal son again and his five keys. He said, I'm going to get up. I'm not going to stay down. I'm not going to let this thing stop me. I'm I'm not going to lie here and die. I'm going to get up. I'm not going to wallow in self-pity. I'm not going to wait for somebody to come along and give me a sympathy fix. I'm going to get up. And when we quit feeding hogs, when we don't listen to those messages of discouragement that the devil sends to us to make us think that this is our whole new destiny, we stop feeding those messages. We're willing to adjust our expectations and say from time to time, life just gives us a different circumstance. And yesterday's opportunities may not be there tomorrow. And we identify our true needs. We know what it is that we really need. And then when I come home to my father, and let's just take that out of a spiritual metaphor and let's make it very practical. Coming home to our heavenly father means I'm completely willing to do things God's way. In other words, I'm not taking what I want to do, spraying a little God on it and pretending like it's God's will for my life. I, I mean, when the prodigal son came back home, he was willing to do things his dad's way. What happens when we do those five things? When we say, I'll get up. I'm not feeding the hogs anymore. I'm adjusting my expectations. I'm identifying my true needs and I'm completely willing to do things God's way. We always find grace. In other words, it's always way better than we thought it was going to be. You know, there's so many beautiful things that the father says when the prodigal son comes home. I mean, bring out you know, the robe and, and put shoes on his feet and give him the signet ring back and let's have a barbecue and all those things are great. But from the very first day, when I preached on this subject for the first time, there was one line that I fell in love with. And it's when the father says, bring out the best, bring out the best. I am truly convinced that that's what God wants in your life and my life. I believe God wants the best for us. And somebody could say, well, Mark, surely he doesn't want the best for me because I failed in all these areas. Look at the story here. I mean, this boy had done things that are so horrible. I mean, to be honest, between you and me, I don't think we would have ever thought about doing these things. The prodigal son is, a, is an illustration of just how far sin can take us and how beautiful the grace of God is. And I realize the coronavirus, we're not really talking about the same kind of shutdown of the prodigal son because this is something we didn't have anything to do with. But I do want us to hear this. I am convinced that God does want the very best for us. And when we'll be willing to do these things, then we always experience God's grace. Let me give you a very current illustration. You know, two weeks ago, it was Easter. And we had hoped that when the shutdown first happened, I mean, none of us knew what lay ahead. We had kind of hoped maybe by the time Easter rolls around, we'll be able to gather in a service at New Spring. I mean, after all, we've been planning Easter for months and months. And we had these wonderful plans for Easter. But as the time got closer to Easter, it became very apparent that we weren't going to just be shut down for Easter. We are going to be shut down a lot longer. And so I want you to think about the rethink that we had to think about for Easter. I mean, first of all, we had to decide we're going to get up. I mean, Easter is still coming, 
And maybe we're not going to be able to gather the way we thought we were going to be able to gather, but we're going to get up and we're going to do our very best for Easter. That was the heart and the feeling of our staff. I mean, there was a point where we just stopped grieving over the fact that we weren't going to be able to gather on our campus and we said, we're going to get up. Well, of course, there were hogs. I mean, we look forward to Easter all year long. And God does extraordinary things in our Easter services at New Spring. Oftentimes, many people come to Easter services who wouldn't attend at any other time of the year. And those hogs started making noise to us. The hogs were saying, well, you're not going to be able to experience those things this year. And you're not going to be able to offer all the different services that you normally offer. And and you're not going to have a Friday night service. And you're not going to have all those services on Saturday and Sunday. And And, you know, you walk up and down the empty hallways of New Spring, and those hogs start making noise. But there was a point where we decided we're not going to listen to the hogs. I mean, the hogs can talk all day about what we're not going to have. And then, obviously, we had to adjust our expectations because an online service is very different from an on-campus service. And in adjusting our expectations, we had to we had to do some, some different things. I mean, just giving you a little inside stuff because of the way things developed, we had planned to have four rehearsals for the worship music on Easter, but because of the way things happened, we actually had to tape the entire Easter worship service in the first rehearsal. In fact, our worship team was here till midnight taping it on the first rehearsal. Well, we... We had to adjust our expectations because it wasn't going to be, I mean, this season's opportunities weren't going to be last year's opportunities. And then we had to identify our true needs because since it wasn't going to be on campus, what is it that we needed to actually accomplish on Easter? Well, we wanted to worship the risen Jesus. And beyond that, we have a message, a life-changing message. In fact, the resurrection of Jesus is the quintessential point that brings people into a new relationship with God. And then there was a point where we just, as a team, we said, God, whatever it is that you want us to do, that's what we're going to do. And then that's when God began to give us ideas. I'd always wanted to bring the Easter sermon outside. And because of this situation, well, we had available opportunities. Well, what did we experience? I mean, after all, Easter looked very different this year than last year, hopefully the next year. But we found God's grace. Because what we discovered was many, many more times the size of the crowd who experienced Easter experienced it this year. God opened new doors of television. God opened more doors than we could have ever dreamed. And when it comes to the most important thing, which is people accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, New Spring set an all-time record on Easter weekend of people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. Over 500 people let us know that they accepted Jesus. In fact, one of my favorite parts of the story is, if you're a New Springer, you know that we always offer an opportunity for you know, people who have accepted Jesus to have a gift from us. It's a little packet that we send out for everyone who accepts Christ. Well, our team worked on that, as you can imagine, hundreds of packets. and. As I said, one of my favorite stories is our postman came, and when he saw all that pile of packets, he said, I don't have room in my truck for this. I've got to go deliver the rest of my mail and come back and so that I can put all these in an empty truck. 
what happened on Easter? We had to rethink. <laughs> Boy, did we ever have to rethink. But by the grace of God, we said, we're not going to lay down. We're going to get up. And we adjusted our expectations and we identified what was really important. And I really do believe as a team, we were completely willing to do things God's way. And what we experienced was God's grace and God opening doors in ways that we could have never imagined. Principle number two, rethink. You know, we began the talk today by saying the ultimate restart is to have Jesus Christ be Lord of our lives and to be forgiven and to have the promise and assurance of heaven. And we said, it all begins with a rethink. Well, what exactly is repentance? Well, the Bible kind of tells us what it is in the book of Isaiah chapter 53. The Bible says, all we like sheep have gone our own way. We've gone astray. We've done things our own way. Repentance is when we recognize my way my way's not good. My, my thinking isn't right. And we learn the truth that God loves us and that Jesus died for us and that he rose from the grave. And if we are willing to invite him in, that God will give us the power to live a whole new life. And it's when we're willing, when we're willing to rethink our old way and by faith accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Well, that's when we experience God's grace. I want to give you a chance to make that decision right now, wherever you are. And we're in all kinds of shutdowns right now. And whether, again, it's your fault or someone else's fault or like the coronavirus is nobody's fault, the good news is that God will let you have a restart if we're willing to rethink things. If you're willing to invite Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior into your life, then God will bring out his best. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. These are not magic words. But wherever you are, if you're willing to pray this from your heart, the God who loves you so much will hear your prayer. Are you ready? Here we go. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I've gone my own way. And after rethinking, I know it doesn't work. But I believe you love me very much. I believe Jesus died to pay for my sins. And I believe he arose from the grave. And since Jesus is alive, I want Jesus to be my savior and my king. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just pray with me, we have a gift that we would like to share with you here at New Spring. It's a packet, like I just talked about a few moments ago. If you're here in the United States, uh, this packet has a, a book that I wrote and a Bible. And if you just prayed with me, you can text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, text PRAYED to 97,000. If you're here in the United States, we will get this out to you. Now, if you're outside the United States, we, we're going to send you an electronic version of this. And one more time, all you need to do is text PRAYED, P-R-A-Y-E-D, to 97000, and we'll get to you very quickly. Well, we're so glad that you've joined us here today as we continue to look at the principles of restart. And God willing, next weekend, we'll have another one. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in Wichita, the surrounding area, we'd love for you to engage with us in one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our incredible kids and student environments, visit us at newspring.org. One more time, 
newspring.org.